0: Good morning, and we want to welcome you to part five of a series we've been in called Your Inevitable Faith Crisis. It's been really fun watching people interact with the Post-its out there. And today, we want you to post a question you have for God before you leave. So when you go out, take some time to just process. What, what question would you have for God? Because today we're going to deal with what do you do when you're in the middle of a faith crisis We are so glad that many of you have chosen to be a part of something we're doing here. And uh, I want to say something about that real quick. On your way in, you might have seen the best of uh, awards that have been given to Reverie for weddings as a wedding venue. And um, I I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but I know some of you come once a six weeks. And uh, so you might have missed that. And uh, so I want you again, the, the Saul Gomez and his team have worked so hard to make it a place of excellence that, that uh, we are really happy about a lot of things. But one is that uh, we have a relationship with a group of Muslim women who are using our venue to throw parties without the men. I mentioned that, which for me is a significant, significant thing that we get to have a relationship and and uh, represent Jesus with them. So again, gang, give it up for Saul and the team because this is not insignificant. It is not insignificant what they have created, but it happened because you invested the oxygen in that to make that come alive. And we're just taking those same principles and we're we're carrying them over to the Players Box Initiative where we're going to turn this facility into a place where we intervene in families and students who are growing up in a performance-oriented culture, and we just thank those of you who are a part of this, and if you're not a part of it and being a financial contributor to this, please go to the information counter today and say, hey, I'd like to be a part of making this a place that will be there in the gap for students who are under intense pressure and feel like they've lost their place and lost their way. We would love, love, love for you to be a part of that. And so make sure you do that. We're well on our way. Right now, we're in the permitting phase, and we hope to begin construction on some things this summer. But as you know, we have this supply chain issue going on. Steel prices are crazy. And so that is also mitigating some of the, the timing of this process. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, I don't believe in the Loch, Loch Ness Monster. I don't believe in Bigfoot. I don't believe in Stonehenge. I don't believe Elvis is still alive and working at a Taco Bell somewhere. Um, I don't believe in JFK conspiracy theories. I don't believe in most conspiracy theories that aren't proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, Did you hear the one about the three conspiracy theorists who walked into a bar? (laughs) Do you think that was a coincidence? Uh, I don't believe that aliens frequently visit the earth and abduct people. I don't believe that. Uh, Mostly because they never have, to this point, landed in Pasadena and abducted physicists from Caltech. That's never happened. They always abduct some dirt farmer and his wife in Idaho whose parents were first cousins, and that's how it goes usually. (laughs) Um, but I, you know, call me, oh, you're a part of that skeptical post-Vietnam, post-Watergate generation that is just skeptical of everything. Well, I don't know about that, but I am one who, uh, tends to be, wait a minute, I, I'm just not buying that. I learned my lesson in the 60s when I thought all those people, as a little guy, I thought all those people protesting the Vietnam War were off their rocker. Come to find out they were right. They were right. And how they did it wasn't right, but they were right. And ever since then, as a guy, I just hold back on, wait a minute, we judge things so quickly. This today is for those of you who are on a faith journey, and it doesn't come easy for you. Or for those of you who know someone who is really struggling, and they're having a faith crisis. We hope you pass the content of today along because there are many, many people that faith is not an easy endeavor. I ended last week by saying that we were going to unpack this this week, and this is what we're going to do, is what I think are really four levels of faith. There's that level of indifference. We have no faith. I just, you just don't care. And we want you to know that if you're here and that's where you've been, but again, you came because a friend, a family member, a significant other dragged you along, we respect that place in the faith journey. We really do. We're not trying to make you uncomfortable so that you bend to our faith will. Most of America is right here. Most of America has an interest in faith, just enough to get the life insurance policy forever. Most Americans who have faith are in that. I have interest in it. I pray every once in a while. Mostly it's, you know, Jesus take the wheel type prayers, but uh, I, I pray. I have an interest in it. I'm going to show you today that that's the most dangerous place in the faith journey. It's not here. It's here when you have an interest and a crisis hits. And many people in this church, this church has been driven by people who have what we'd call a go faith. Man, they're on the move because why? They've invested their minutes, their mojo, and their moolah. uh, You could look at their calendar and their checkbook and know that their treasure is in the kingdom of the heavens. And as a result of that, the God of that kingdom has rewarded their faith. And I'll show you why it works that way. To where many, many people that you're sitting with right now in this room have have actualized the goal of faith. It's not to have a great faith of investment. It's to have his faith, not faith in him. But you begin to say with the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. My self-will is not the main thing, but the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You begin to identify with Christ, to where what he would do in a situation you're in, you do that. That's the goal of faith. How do we get there? Especially if today you are struggling. We have, on any given Sunday, we have people that we, we know are watching online or in one of our rooms, and what many people don't know is they don't really believe. But they want to. God has arranged faith in such a way that whatever faith you want, you'll get. Which one of those do you want? That's what you'll get. And so today, we want to look at a guy that around here we call Sam. And we'll look at his wife, Sally. I want to introduce you to Sam because Sam has a journey that is both very common and it is uniquely Sam's. It is both heartbreaking and hopeful. Because Sam experienced faith crises along the way in his stages of life. For instance, when Sam was a teenager, he struggled with believing in God mostly because he had a pessimistic temperament. And if you have little ones, little sinners like this, they're always asking questions and they never buy anything on face value. Any of you have that? Some of us are born, why? 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 And Sam epitomized that. Pessimistic temperament, that, that temperament that just doesn't buy things very easily. We're all born with different temperaments. Some of us are naturally skeptical. The patron saint of this in the Bible is who? Unless I see the scar in his side and the nail prints in his hands and feet, I'm not going to believe. I'm, the dead men don't get up every day. What was his name? Thomas. Doubting Thomas, a cultural identifier for those who are naturally questionable when it comes to faith now here's the thing that 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 sam's naturally skeptical personality type and temperament teach us is that questions are not uh, allowable in faith they are essential in faith how many of you have questions that you want answered why is lemonade made with artificial flavoring and dishwashing soap is made with real lemons why is that anybody ever wondered that why, uh, why are there five syllables in the word monosyllabic? How would we know if a word in the dictionary were, were misspelled? Why is the word phonetically not spelled with an F? Why, why, who, who came up with that? Uh, what's another word for thesaurus? How can there be self-help groups? Anybody ever questioned that? How can there be self-help groups? Self-help. Why do we use sterile needles for lethal injections? Everybody ever wondered that? I thought that (laughs) i plan on having one someday. But it doesn't make sense. But we have these questions. What we want you to do today is, is, uh, I mean, there are all kinds of questions with the English language. If teeth is plural for tooth, why isn't beef plural for booth? I mean, like, all these, can you imagine trying to learn the English language, right? But we all have these questions for God. Let me prompt a few that some of you may put on your Post-its. How many angels can sit on the head of a needle? It's one of the great theological questions why did or where did Cain get his wife what about Jonah and the fish why the platypus <laughs> why is the best tasting food the highest in calories someone needs to put it on that post-it note and hold God accountable for that why suffering and pain Why do good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? Where do dinosaurs fit into the Bible? Why does evil seem to prosper? Why the cross for atonement? Now, in each one of those, I can give you some answers, but the the important part isn't the answers as much as the questions. As Frederick Buechner said, these questions are the ants in the pants of our faith that stimulate us. And before long, we've woven a faith journey. And maybe you're like Sam, and you have a harder time than others believing, and you're envious of people who who seemingly find it so easy to believe. So as a teenager, Sam would cynically scoff at people who put faith in God and faith in the Scriptures. He called those people shallow and gullible. He would sit in church when his family attended And that was not that frequent, but when he did, he would just somehow scoff all at the same time. A part of him wishes he could believe too. Because Sam then went to college. And something happened to him that happened to a lot of people you're sitting near right now. Negative propaganda about faith. There is no nuclear faith crisis like a college faith crisis where everything you learned in Sunday school is now challenged by people smarter than you. He pursued a higher education, and intelligent people broke, at that time, what any hope he had in having a faith in God. See, when smarter people scoff at your faith, it really can create a crisis. Because if they don't believe, then who am I to contradict their convictions There was a little guy who was sitting under an oak tree with his uncle and they were talking about faith in God and the uncle was an agnostic but not just an agnostic he was a scoffer of faith and they were talking about God and so the uncle tried to capitalize on this opportunity to really challenge his little nephew's faith and he said nephew let hold a second look at this look at this oak tree he said you see those little acorns up there there's little acorns hanging from those big thick limbs look over there at the garden you see that garden you see those big pumpkins hanging from those tiny fragile little vines if there really were a god wouldn't have put the oak the acorns on the on the vines and the pumpkins on the thick limbs of the oak tree and just then an, an acorn fell and hit the uncle uncle right in the head and the little guy said sure glad that wasn't a pumpkin aren't you uncle <laughs> You see, when other people scoff at your faith who are smarter than you, it can really unsettle. And this, at this point, Sam went to no faith, just utter indifference. He totally clocked out when it came to any kind of spiritually seeking venture. And he graduated from college. And he got his first job. He began climbing the ladder of success. And then he began to meet church people. In the marketplace and in work these are people who talked about their churches sometimes and he felt something stir inside of him sometimes that he might also revisit the idea of faith in god but he began to take notice of a couple of people in the office who would talk about church on sunday but then gossip on monday and steal from the business on tuesday and sam experienced church hypocrisy he experienced disappointment in the integrity of people who say they believe in God. More specifically, believe in Christ. And Sam began to notice that some of his ex, uh, his workers were just disintegrated people. On top of that, he saw in the news evangelists who were caught in sexual impropriety and And stories about pastors and priests sexually violating kids and that was when if any idea of faith could have been sparked inside of Sam there's just this is a farce he began to believe in people like Christopher Hitchens who said what's wrong with the world is religion and we need to banish this idea of belief in God well that wasn't all because then the big one hit because Sam lives in a fallen world he experienced what every human being will at some point experience either personally or objectively through other people unexplained suffering you see Sam after college met Sally and they got married and for nine years they couldn't get pregnant Sally wasn't an ardent churchgoer, but she had an interest in faith enough to where she prayed. And Sam knew she prayed that they might someday have a child. And in nine years, nine years into praying and fertility tests, nine years in, the painful process, that pregnancy test came back positive. And they would have Eventually, a few months later, a perfectly healthy baby boy. But when that little boy was three years old, that answered prayer was playing with an orange soccer ball on their sidewalk out front. And that soccer ball hit a crack in the sidewalk and it bounced left into the street. Now, it could have bounced right. God, if he existed, could have made it bounce right. Couldn't he? But it bounced left. And unexplained suffering is what they experienced where their answered prayer now hurt more than their unanswered prayer did. And there was no good description. There's no good reasoning. Some spiritual people tried to help them with glib answers. Some people, their faith in the office allowed them to just gloss over it. He's in a better place. God makes all things work together for good. And none of them satiated Sam's piercing pain because sometimes there's just some suffering that's unexplainable. It's just unexplainable. And as you can imagine, Sam and Sally... Their marriage wasn't the same. As with most couples who lose a child, their marriage radically shifts off its its tectonic plates. And when he went into pain, he also dove headlong into his career. And he also began to drink more. He turned to alcohol because his marriage wasn't what it once was. And even though he didn't Want to lose Sally, he had pleasures on the side that sort of allowed him to get through his dark night of the soul. Until one day, Sally, in the midst of his unconfessed sin, she said, It's 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 you either go and get help or I'm leaving. And because he didn't want to leave her, he followed up on her suggestion of a support group at a local church that she had been attending. To help deal with her pain he went to the support group and he got to talk to the leader Where he said I'm miserable I've got a wife and now two kids I'm making more money than I can spend with both hands but I'm sleeping with another woman and I hate myself I need your help but don't give me any of that God stuff because I can't believe that stuff. I gave up on God a long time ago and they talked for a couple hours and finally that group leader said, Sam, maybe you think you're shooting straight with me, but I'm not sure you are. I don't think that your problem is that you can't have faith. I think it's that you won't have faith because you're afraid to give up the things that you know are getting you through the night. And that truth hit Sam and predictably he didn't go back the next week. And he didn't go back the week after that. That is not unusual. But a significant event, what he would look back on and say it was one of the most significant events of my life was three weeks later, he did what often turns spiritual journeys. He got his keys in the ignition of his car and he went back to that group. And on that night, He told the group leader, I hate it, but you're right. I can't imagine coming clean to my wife about the condition of my soul and my behavior. I can't imagine going with less money than I make, even though I lie to get it. I'm angry at a God I'm not even sure I believe exists, and I don't know what to do about it. You see, this is really critical. You need, if you're an honest doubter, you see, there are two doubters. They're dishonest doubters, doubt out of convenience. I don't want to believe because I don't want to give this up. This is what gets me through the night. An honest doubter says, I don't believe, but I want to. I want to believe. God has arranged faith in such a way that if you want no faith, you want low faith, you want go faith or his faith, you can have it. And Sam finally admitted that his doubts were really just smoke screens. That like so many, he had cerebral, intellectual questions. But those were merely pretense for his moral doubt. If I really believed this, I would have to change. One of the reasons I respect Jordan Peterson is he says, if I really came out and said I was a Christian, it might kill me. Why? If this stuff is real, you can't stay the same. And this is where this whole message leads today to this verse right here. Because it led to where all you have to get is to this point, And your faith will begin to change. It is in Mark 9 when a man comes to Jesus and he's a father and he's desperate and he says, I need you to heal my son. And Jesus looks at him and he says, he says do you believe? And the man says the words that catalyze faith. I believe. Help my unbelief. I mean, there's a part of me that thinks that this may be true. This, there may be something to this. There may be substance and rationale behind belief. But there's a big part of me that just can't buy this and just can't make that leap of faith. And these words right here are the words that many a spiritual seeker has embraced to say, those were the words that affirmed my journey, that it was okay that I had doubts, that it was okay that I had questions, that trusting was not complete understanding, complete trust. Trusting is taking my 2% faith, my mustard seed, and say, here's what I'll give. this is all I have. This is all I have. I have this. I have this mustard seed of faith. I'll give you that. Remember these words, Hebrews 11. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. The implication is, it's not all there yet, and it's assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. It's not that they didn't have doubts. Lynn Anderson said, faith is the decision to follow the best light you have about God and not quit. Look at that. If today you're in a crisis, faith isn't I'll just trust God in this, I won't have any doubts, I won't have any emotional struggle, I I won't, I won't just agonizingly walk through life. No, faith is I'm not gonna quit. I'm not gonna quit. And so Sam was in the dark night of the soul as Saint John of the Cross famously coined it, and something inside of him said. There, there, there may be a light at the end of this tunnel, and he wanted it to be true. He craved something transcendent, and he finally was broken. To enough to where on the edge of the light, he took one more step. Listen to me. Faith is not a feeling. It's one of the things about America. We feelingize everything. Faith is not a feeling. Faith, look at this, faith is an act of the will and a gift you receive. I choose, though you slay me, Job said, I will trust you. I'll, I'll, I'll keep moving with the light that I have. Faith is the decision to follow the best light about God that you have and not quit. Now, this is why Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is an interesting thing. If you want low, no faith, low faith, go faith, his faith, you can have it. But what you fa- can find is what Sam found to be true. He said, this is what I found to be true, that God honors us when we seek him. That there's something about he begins to, in the words of Dallas Willard, he said the divine conspiracy. He called his epic volume of what it meant to follow Christ. Why is it the divine conspiracy? Because God has to reveal enough of himself to us that we we want to seek him, but not so much that it takes our will away. That's why no one can see God and live. It would take away our will. We would not be human anymore. And this is what Sam found to be true. This verse right here. He rewards those who earnestly seek him. There's so much bad on social media, I know, but I love Instagram for two reasons. One is I just, I get to follow my family. Just all over, we're all over the continental United States, and I just get to follow what's going on in their tournament in Virginia, and uh, the new car that my nephew has redone in Portland, I just, I love that. The second one is animals. I follow shark sites, I follow, shocker, lions, tigers, and bears, oh no, I mean, I follow those, but I follow all these puppy sites, (laughs) and the cool thing about it is, is the more I click on a video that is just three-week-old, six-week-old, nine-week-old puppies, what does the algorithm do? It gives me more videos of puppies. Puppies the puppies, the puppies. I sound like 101 Dalmatians. I'm the puppies. And, and it's really cool that, that faith works this way. The more you say, with the light I have, I'm going to move on, there's something about God where he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He has arranged faith in such a way that you'll get the faith you want. What do you want to believe? And you have your intellectual doubts. I will challenge you on your emotional doubts, your moral doubts. Because usually it comes down to that. I've never convinced an atheist to believe in God because my arguments were so lucid and clarifying. I've seen atheists loved into the kingdom because they experienced faith. And so, four things Sam did that are critical for you and your friend. Number one, Sam went looking for faith. If you want to have faith, don't join American Atheists Incorporated. I mean, if you want to have faith, find a church, find a group of people who, who faith doesn't come easy to them either, but they're, but they're living as obediently as they can and the good news is this church is all about sam and sally that's why our church exists we're here for sam and sally and so for you you can find people here that faith isn't just some glib oh you just have to believe you just have to believe no they understand that it is an act of the will that has to come because there's some evidence that makes it a rational step in the light that you have about god and then one more step and we can help you begin the process of finding your tribe. Number two is Sam began reading and listening to faith-building materials. I have found that, if, that there are many people who say they doubt the Bible and they have never read it. It's <laughs> unbelievable. They just go on what they've heard other people say. And yes... Uh, I, we're, I, we're going to publish a reading plan in the Bible that begins with the Gospel of John, not Genesis. Anybody happy about that? Because how many of you have read the Bible and you got to Leviticus and went, <laughs> you know, but we're gonna You know, But we're going to do that. Why? Because many people uh, have, been, have been brought to faith just because they just started reading the Gospel of John and over 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 and over. And over. And Sam began reading books like The Case for Faith by Lee Strobel and Unapologetic by Francis Spooford and Surprised by Joy and Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, What Good is God by Philip Yancey, Finding God in the Waves by Mike Maharg, books that, that from a rational standpoint give evidential reasoning behind taking that next step. Sam began doing that because he wanted to believe now. Number three, Sam obediently acted on what he knew. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. This is, this is one worth repeating. Lynn Anderson said at some point, let's see this again. This is really what this series is about. The faith journey needs to begin. Sitting and brooding over faith and doubt will never make a believer out of anybody. Neither will simply reading all the right books or hanging out with all the right people or even the making the decision to believe. ultimately, Every single person in this room, every single person listening to this, must embark on your own experiment of faith by doing what faith would do. Jesus said, "You will experience the truth and the truth will set you free." John 8:32. and you must become a following learner and experience the truth in your own life. In other words, do what Jesus says, and you'll begin to experience the validity of it. It's kind of like riding a bicycle. You can't watch a video or read a book about it. you got to get on one and get the feel of it. Faith is never a noun. It's always a verb. Faith is action. It's a direction of life. When we move in that direction, God begins to validate it. And sometimes, like riding a bike, you're going you're to crash. You're going to fail. You're going you're gonna to bruise your knees and skin your elbows. But faith, remember this, is trust in action. Choose something. Choose something. Choose something. Forgive someone that you thought, I'll never forgive her. I'll never forgive him. Forgive them. See what a journey that takes you on. See how Christ begins to validate some things. Even validate how hard that is. And that it requires grace outside yourself. The fourth thing Sam did is he gave himself a break. Every, every, everyone doubts sometimes. Sam said he quit trying so hard to figure things out and just began having fun on his God hunt. And he began looking for evidences of God in three areas, creation, his conscience, and Christ. Those are the three. He just began looking at those three things. What's the evidence for God in creation, conscience, and Christ? And pretty soon, puppies started appearing on his screen. And and he started to see that faith is not a perfect trust. Faith is a journey of action. Faith is a journey of action. I I hope that I haven't said anything today that is flippant. Because I know for a fact of that guy who's here and he's been an atheist and He's trying. And guy, I want you to know we are praying for you every day. Gal who's been hurt so deeply. You've been that one who lost a child. We're praying for you. Our church exists for Sam and Sally. Amen. That's who we exist for. America doesn't need more churches for church people. It needs churches for people who are far from faith because they don't think that that God would ever want them. There's a classic introduction to the old movie Patch Adams, the one that starred Robin Williams. And remember the introduction to that movie? All of life is a coming home secretaries, salesmen, coal miners, beekeepers, sword swallowers, all of us, all the restless hearts of the world are really all trying to find a way home. It's hard to describe what I felt like then. Picture yourself walking for days in a driving snow. You don't even know you're walking in circles. The heaviness of your legs in the drifts, your shouts disappearing into the wind, how small you can feel when you're lost. How far away home can be. The dictionary describes home as both a place of origin and a goal or a destination. As the poet Dante put it, in the middle of the journey of my life, I found myself in a dark wood, for I had lost the right path. Eventually, I would find the right path in the most unexpected place. Maybe that's you. You long to have a faith in something that's bigger than you. It's transcendent. It gives you an anchor and a foundation. And maybe this place is the last place you thought you would find that. Many have. Many have find, found God in this really messed up church called Southbrook. <laughs> and believe me, I know how messed up it is. <laughs> but look at this. Here, here's, let me just give you one word to activate today. Before you leave. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Right. Okay. Come on. That you, that you, today, if you say, I have enough faith to activate this, God, by your grace, receive me. Yes. I am yours. Come on. I only have 2% of a believing faith to give to you, but I'm going to give you that today. I'm not sure. I'm in a very, very vulnerable position, but I'm going to trust you that you receive me, that you accept someone like me through grace, by faith. And if that's you and you've never done it, I want to invite you to take communion today. To take the symbol that he was enough. He was enough for you he's sufficient for you. That in some cosmic way, his life was a sufficient substitute for your sin. I don't understand it fully. I can give you the theological reasons, but I don't understand it fully. How one life was sufficient for all humanity, but for you it was. And he would rather go to hell for you than to go to heaven without you. So I want to invite you to be the one that comes to the, one of the corners of the room and says, for the first time in my life, I'm going to take of the communion. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Can you stay and do that to second service at just the right time? Just the right time. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, sometimes I know I've lost sight of the fact that we exist for Sam and Sally. We've never tried to be a church for church people. We're here for those who are lost in the dark wood because we were there. I, 40 years ago this spring, I was, I was lost in the dark wood. And I found that you reward those who earnestly seek you Everything you promise in Christ is true. Richness and pain. Loss and hope. Weakness and power. And for Sam and Sally, within the sound of my voice right now, we pray that today is the day they look back on. It was a significant event that on this day, they put the keys in the ignition of their car, and they happened to be at church on this day. They happen to flip open their laptop in their kitchen on this day. And they experience that it is by grace that you are saved through faith. And everybody said, amen. 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 See you next week.